Hey, happy Thursday. No J.D. Bunkus today. He wanted to stay home and watch the rain, I guess, for the next two days. So uh, he's off today, off tomorrow as well. My, my favorite thing about talking about what I do and what I love, sports, to people who don't pay attention to sports, don't like sports, don't watch sports, is when they come back with uh, – yeah, well, I even watch sports. They're all fixed. They're all the, the the results are predetermined, anyways, which is obviously hilarious. But uh, if you ever hear someone tell you that, just point back to what happened yesterday to prove them completely incorrect. Because if they were fixed, don't you think they would be fixed in a manner and made you a little bit more excited for a Leafs Habs first round playoff series? That thing does not appear like it's going to be close. And it's hockey, and I'll... Man, I've been doing a lot of knocking on wood recently, but I, I will do that. Sure, Carey Price could return and steal a couple of games for the Montreal Canadiens, but, like, skill level could not have two teams more diametrically opposed than the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, who cannot score. Uh, and Connor McDavid's going to win the Hart Trophy, but it probably should be Brendan Gallagher, because since he left their lineup with that broken finger, they've averaged fewer than two goals a game they only have four wins in 13 games uh so yeah that took a little bit of a shine off uh, their first playoff series since 1979 we'll be excited and there's plenty of time to 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 i guess renew hostilities in the the remaining three regular season matchups between the two uh but yeah the maple leafs put it on the montreal Canadiens 4-1 austin matthews almost had two goals where he knocked the puck out of midair and did the baseball thing one is good enough, I suppose. He's got 35 this season. Uh, on pace in a normal 82-game year for over 60 goals as uh, Maple Leafs just once again do the damn thing and make it hard to believe that anybody is going to knock them off their perch in uh, the playoffs here, at least for the first two rounds getting out of the North Division. Let's talk to Jeff Merrick of the NHL on Sportsnet. Thanks for doing this, Jeff, but i got a bone to pick with you first. Oh, good. Good yeah. morning. Uh, good morning to you. And I, I will speak for your, your panel mates. Because okay. you 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 <laughs> you put them in such a precarious position with your tossing around of the the year 1979 is the last time <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens met in a playoff series and poor Kyle yeah. oh, tried to play it off as if there was a chance he was born in Ky 1979. He's like, yeah, but it was minus ten. Kyle Obviously. was a dash. He was a dash. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was leading the Masters. Uh, yeah, at yeah. minus 10. But yeah, the rest of them. And then once Elliot put his hand up, everybody else like had they felt obligated that yep. they, had, they had to follow suit. Cassie specifically. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to make a point. It's been a long time. That was, a, uh, that was one of the more vivid uh, hockey memories that I have as a kid because the Maple Leafs had just beat the Atlanta Flames in a really tough series. And I remember as a kid getting really excited, like, oh, wow, this team can – maybe they can do – and they just run into this buzzsaw that is the Montreal Canadiens. Who were uh, you know uh, running through their one of their uh, one of their dynasty eras and ended up beating the Rangers in the Stanley Cup final to win yet another Stanley Cup? Like it was the first. Like, do you remember the first time, like as a kid, whether it was you know baseball, hockey, football, whatever, where you realized that your favorite team really wasn't as good as you might have thought they were? Like yeah. the, the first time you really had your sports dreams crushed. Mm -hmm. um, that Maple Leafs team was one of, was one of my early ones. For me. Yeah, that was, that was I, one of the early. Yeah, I grew up in Toronto, so yeah, uh, in <laughs> uh, in my formative years, where I guess the '90s 
and nineties were good, but yeah, the two thousands there was a lot of that. A lot of yeah. hey, the Blue Jays, this is it. They spent some money finally in the off season. And we finished second in the American League, and we all were high-fiving each other. It's like, okay, 10 games back of a playoff spot. Yeah, I had a lot of that in my sporting life uh, growing up. This is, like, I'm excited. To, the, the two sweaters on the ice, like, you can't argue with that. It's, it's easy. It's going to be great. It's, it's easy. It's, like, it's, it's easy to hype a game when the logos do all the work for you. For like, sure. Go, going into that one, it's like, okay, well, how am I going to – like, how many how many people like me or Amber or Carolyn or Ron, like, have had to do a Montreal-Toronto game, and you try to find, like, another creative – like, uh, like what's the sell here for Toronto-Montreal? And the sell is it's Toronto-Montreal, right? The the forever rivals, you know, uh, a kiss on each cheek for, uh, for both these teams and this, this wonderful rivalry. But really – the history does all of the work for you. Like the right. history of these two teams, all the drama, all the cups, all like everything does all the heavy lifting for you. Like it's one of those situations where all you have to say is Toronto, Montreal coming up next on Sportsnet. That's it. Like, yeah. That's it. Your well, job is done. And it, it better because the idea of this being a tightly contested playoff series, again, it's hockey and you get upsets all the time. And Montreal Canadiens know that very well with what they did to the Washington Capitals all those years ago. But, I mean, yeah, yeah to, to watch those two teams on the ice yesterday, and you can point to shot totals, I suppose, but, man, the lack mm-hmm. of game breakers for the Montreal Canadiens and the plethora of game play, uh, breakers, and specifically one that the yeah. Leafs have, it, it is it's just hard to – I mean, it, here's where I'm at because – Early in the season, Jeff, we were doing this. We were like, well, what's the toughest matchup? Who's the team that's going to challenge the Leafs? Who's the the team that you really don't want to see? And it, you know, maybe it was Connor McDavid and the, the, you know, seven games and the potential for him to score a million goals or set up a trillion in a series. And then you're like, yeah, but then they walked into Edmonton and just steamrolled them and and took out him and Dreisaitl in three straight games. And it was Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck and oh boy. As a Vesna champ, and he kind of has your number. And then they broke him. He's broken now, I guess, even though he only gave up two yesterday. <laughs> but he's broken. They broke him. And actually, kind of before that, it was the Montreal Canadiens with their rough and tumble play and Josh Anderson. And, you know, they, they kinda, they're pretty deep. And then the idea of Carey Price uh, recapturing his old form, which I guess is still there if he can get healthy. He, all three are so inferior to the Leafs that it is such an abject disaster if the Leafs do not win these first two series. Uh, they should. But as we've seen before, weird things happen in the playoffs and, you know, weird momentum happens and injuries happen. And, you know, the puck goes off the heel, the puck goes off the back of a skate. And, you know, the the entire the entire composition of a playoff series is is uh, is altered. And let's not forget, too, the Maple Leafs, you know, will head into another uh, another year of playoffs you know, with their recent history being one of abject failure. And you always worry about that as a team, don't you, Ben? Like, yeah. you worry about, like, okay, well, the like, there's just some teams that just want to get through the regular season because all their answers are in the playoffs. Like, Vancouver was like this for the longest time. Uh, the Canucks, when they were, you know, in their uh, in, in their high and mighty years, culminating with a, with a Stanley Cup final appearance. Like, they just wanted to get the regular season done because there's nothing that really could be answered in the regular season outside of individual stats. They just wanted to get to the playoffs. And that's kind of where the Maple Leafs have been in the past couple of years. The regular season is just the regular season. They're at a spot now where all the answers are in the playoffs. And they're doing this under the weight of they have collapsed every single season. 
whether it's the Boston Bruins, whether it's against the Columbus Blue Jackets in the bubble, the story for the Maple Leafs and the pressure for the Maple Leafs has been, you know, playoff pucks are heavier. I know technically they weigh the same amount, but they feel heavier in the playoffs as you push them around the rink. Uh, the right. people you're playing are bigger, are stronger. The goaltenders are better. Even if it's not true, it feels that way when you're a team whose playoff story has always been, we've collapsed in the opening round. So as much as, like, I took a lot of grief, Ben, at the beginning of this, like, a lot of grief. And that's fine. Like, that's it. You stick your head up above a crowd. You have to expect someone's going to throw a rock. I took a lot of grief at the beginning of the year when I looked at the division. I said, well, I look at it and I say it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and everybody else. Yeah. And Montreal went on their run early and I got roasted for it. That's fine. And then Edmonton would go on a run and Winnipeg would challenge and people would throw that tweet back at me. And that's all good. That's what Twitter's for and that's what social sure. media is for. And I, I get it and I'm, I'm part of it. And I know what I was doing when I put it out there and that's fine. But that's kind of the way that it's ended up here. Um, so the regular season really isn't going to give you many answers about the Leafs. Playoffs are different. And if you tell me for one second that any Maple Leafs fan that you know or is listening right now can head into any series, even if it's Montreal, as depleted as they may be, and say, we are supremely confident that the Maple Leafs (laughs) can do this. I'll tell you. You're getting sold sold fool's gold here, Ben. (laughs) Oh, man. Even if, uh, yeah. And so much of this and projecting doomsday scenarios for the Leafs, I think, comes down to an incredible goaltending performance. But, yeah, what if that happens in game one? Like, you go into game one of a playoff series, you totally outplay the Montreal Canadiens, and Carey Price comes up with a 50-save, one nothing performance. Happens. Happens. Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> and, yeah, what is the conversation going to be there? And how do how would this team respond to that as well? Because they'd feel it, despite not yeah. playing, uh, playing in front of fans. Um McDavid with three more points yesterday. He's actually now Why on not, pace eh? Why for not? 100 points. It's stupid. Yep. Austin Matthews' goal-scoring season, also stupid, though. And he missed the three games, and, you know, we were so excited about the potential of 50 goals, which isn't going to happen. 40 is still very much a possibility, and probably bet on it. Do you, think they'll rest them down? Do, you, do you think they'll, they'll rest? Like, I wonder, about, I wonder yeah. about how many players are going to get rested down the stretch here. Oh, for sure. I, I don't want to get to that, too. But just, I mean, you're the, you have the institutional knowledge of the history of the sport and this league and, and where things rank all time and things that you'll remember. This McDavid 100 points, I, I don't care about the competition. It's, it's insane. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's, it, it's, no, no, no. It, like, look, honestly, it's, 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 it's one of the great performances in the, in, the, in the history of the league in a lot of ways because, yeah. you know, unlike, like if you look at all the other players who put up un, like, ridiculous numbers, like the Gretzky numbers are stupid. The Lemieux numbers are stupid. Like, but we have to all we have to always remember as well. Um, Connor McDavid is doing this in an era where goaltenders know how to play the position. Right. Like, wasn't one of the first things? Like, when you look at '80s hockey specifically, when all the numbers went up, when Gretzky was shooting the lights out, Stastny was shooting like everybody, Lemieux, like everybody is putting up, you know, C notes left and right. Like, remember the era where there were like eight or nine guys that had 100 points? Right. It was just like, okay, well, that's just the way it happened. And then Wayne would have 200. <laughs> the one thing that jumps out when you watch those games, Ben, yeah. is how poor the goaltending is. Sure. Like, we, we saw the beginning Shot of from like, the, the blue bu- line, 50-50 going in the net. 
right? Like coming down the wing, put your head down and get one of them back scratch and slap shots going because yeah. you have the room because there's no back pressure and you can start your wind up at the blue line and you know hit it yeah. just above the uh, just above the uh, the top of the circle and find the back of the net consistently, even if the goaltender is a million miles out of his net trying to play the angle, mm-hmm. in uh, in air quotes. Um, you, you like you look at those you look at those games and the first thing that stands out is man the, the the position of goaltender has changed maybe more than any position in all of sports you would give better context than I can uh, for that but I don't know that there's a position in sports that has changed as drastically as the goaltender in hockey and it, 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 I don't know why it was but it just took like over a century for goalies really to figure out how to play this position but they're there now. Um, and you know, uh, there are, um, very sophisticated defensive strategies that teams use. The gap is, is smaller than ever between players. So not to take anything away from Gretzky and Lemieux and everyone that put up on godly numbers, but what McDavid is doing now mm-hmm. is in an era where a man, the gap is tight and B goalies really know how to play. It's hard to score in the NHL. It's hard to get points. And you watch McDavid night in and night out. And, like, honestly, Ben, don't you get the feeling that McDavid is, like, from a – he's, like, some Martian who's landed here and is saying, hey, this is how we play hockey on my planet. Want to see? Yeah. No, it's – it's he just does things routinely that you've never seen before that look impossible, that there – that's not an offensive position that he starts in, and then he's – putting the puck in the back of the net and everybody's behind him which makes no sense the, he the, has everything. the thing the thing that i always come back to with mcdavid is there are a lot of fast players in the nhl like dylan larkin is a fast player nick ehlers is a fast player andreas athanasiu is a fast player there are players that can really move out there like everybody has to move now like you're we're in an era where if you can't skate sorry there's no room at the end here for you we're closed but the thing about mcdavid is, is he's not just fast he's sudden and I think there's a real distinction there. Like everything that McDavid does is sudden. I don't know how you read that. Like as a defender, like what do you do when everything is so sudden? It's like explosive, it, right? Where you can go yeah. from not moving or moving slowly to as your top speed in one step. Changing body position, dishing pucks, firing pucks, uh, you know, cutting inside, cutting outside really quickly, the head faints, like all of it. And much like the greats, like all the greats perform, and Crosby might be an obvious one here for this example. Like the, the one area where McDavid, you know, found himself deficient, um, face-offs, was the one thing he spent the most time on last summer. Like, you know, a little bit north of the city with the Actons, uh, Keith Acton and his son, Will, former Edmonton Oiler, just dropping pucks, face-offs, 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 face-offs. Face not, like Crosby did the same thing. Remember early on in his career when he was getting chewed up at the dot, like every single game, and they, they kept firing him out there because it's Sidney Crosby and he's got to improve. And he just spent summers just pucks, 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 face-offs, face-offs, face-offs. Like, that's what the greats do. Like, you always look at what they do in the off-season. And and you look at how they train. You know, Crosby's great story was always, or one of the great stories with Crosby is, um, he likes training on chewed up ice because it's harder. It's harder to move the puck and it's harder to make plays. Like the guys would be like, you know, why don't we go down there where the flood is still fresh? Why are we here? And Crosby would always say, well, it's harder here. This is where we're going to get better. Fresh ice down there. What are we going to do? I want I want the chewed up ice. Like you look for how the greats challenge themselves and how they're honest with themselves, identify their weakness and go about fixing it in the offseason. It's easy to go through a practice or training just doing the things that you're good at. 
the greats identify what they're poor at, what they're bad at, and change that in the offseason, and that's that's McDavid. Yep. Uh, so thesis statement, Connor McDavid, very good at hockey. Yeah. Uh, maybe the best all time when it's all said and done, on pace to be so. Uh, yeah. Joe Thornton, one of the, the best all time, going to be a Hall of Famer 100%. when he decides to, to shut her down. And yep. there were moments, and it's it's been a couple of games now, but man, we had legitimate conversations on this show with smart people who wondered about the viability of Thornton come the postseason and with the roster crunch coming, whether he'd be there. I don't know. To me, it's it's almost like a sigh of relief to see him play reasonably well. And honestly, that fourth line, especially with Adam Brooks, the way he's playing, shows some chemistry. It almost makes it easier for me now, Jeff, because I want to do this. And you mentioned the rest thing, to rest Thornton, to yes. rest Spezza, because if they were, if he was not going well, if it was a, the, the same questions about man, uh, you give him game one, but if it if it's still nothing in game two, maybe he's in the press box. Now it's like, oh yes, we can see it. We we know how this is going to go. It's not going to be awkward. Have a breather here. Get ready for the postseason. Yeah, you know, what is the, one of the things we talked about, I think I may have talked about it with you and JD, is is when the Maple Leafs signed Joe Thornton. You know, one of the one of the questions was, well, is he going to play back to backs? You know, that's a, yeah. there's a lot of miles on, on that body, and it wasn't as if he was playing 20 minutes a night with the San Jose Sharks, you know, before he, uh, before he departed. And one of the questions was, is he going to be able, even though it is a shortened schedule, it's a, it's a pretty tight schedule, and there are some four-game weeks here. Um, you know, is, he gonna, is, is Joe Thornton, his body, going to be able to hang? And now that you see, you know, even though he had that, that sort of dip not too long ago where the production wasn't there and sort of fell off and wasn't playing with Matthews and Marner anymore, and is he going to be able to, to hang and has the, the, the season and the wear and tear on his body taken a toll? What's this going to mean for the playoffs? Seems to be rejuvenated on that line with Spezza and Brooks right now, and, and you're right. Like, now you, have, now you have the luxury to be able, if you're Sheldon Keefe, to say, you know what, Joe, take the extra day. You know, don't come to the skate and, and, just, and just take the day. Just, you know... Go be Joe Thornton today. You don't have to be Joe Thornton, the hockey player. Just go be Joe Thornton, the person, um, today. And the, the the wonderful thing about this, if you're the Maple Leafs or Sheldon Keefe, because let's not forget too, as good as um as good as Adam Brooks has played, and he's been a real revelation right now, and he would look good again last night. Um, Riley Nash is on the horizon, mm-hmm. and the Toronto Maple Leafs know Riley Nash all too well after having yep. you know played against him not just regular season but in the bubble as well. And if you're Adam Brooks, part of your motivation right now is, you know, there's a guy who's going to be uh, uh, who's going to be coming <laughs> coming off the IR in the postseason, and it's a vet, and they know him, and they got him for a reason, and that reason is the spot that I'm in right now. Like, and the best thing you can have uh, as as a coach in any situation, specifically in the playoffs, is options, sure. and that's one of the things that the Maple Leafs are giving Sheldon Keefe right now. He has a lot of different options. Like you look at the Montreal Canadiens, and even though you know they've picked up like a million bodies this year, do you not get the feeling that Dom Ducharme doesn't have as many options as he was like? Like I know that injuries are a factor, but also like you're getting you know tough performances or, or lack of production from players like Eric Stahl, who are yeah. expected to come in and and do some things. Whereas you know Toronto, there's still that internal competition and options for Sheldon Keefe. Like if one player is not going we have an option to fill that spot and that's depth and that's obvious that's obvious statement number you know 2000 for the day for me um but that's the one thing that the maple leafs have specifically that a team like montreal doesn't yeah and you're insulated <clears throat> excuse me you're insulated from injury as well which is huge uh before yes. we let you go so yeah the ottawa senators uh, and dj smith 
how are you not ecstatic about the future in Ottawa if you're a Sens fan? Um, They're an exciting watch night after night. They're now no longer last in this division, which a lot of people predicted Remarkable. middle of the season on. Well, and Vancouver's got, like, okay, I know. No, like, come on. I, I know I, what you're saying, and you're technically, you're 100% right. I am. I am right. What's, what's, <laughs> the, what's, the, but, what, what's the button here, though? <laughs> yeah, there's a million games in hand for the Canucks. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And you know what? And there's so many caveats around that Canucks season, so sure. obviously, with what happened with the COVID and, and yep. Patterson being out. Holy cow, like the expectations though for that team after the playoff run that they had a, a year ago, and the Flames too. I, I, those teams in particular, and the coaching change that already took place in, in Calgary, like they're not, Daryl Sutter was signed to a multi-year extension, so he's not going anywhere. But I wonder what the fallout is for both of those teams uh, mm-hmm. underachieving so severely. And I know the, the caveats with Vancouver, so maybe that's a different conversation. But both those teams very much expected to compete not just in the top four in, in this division, but win it. Yep. It's going to be a challenging offseason for Calgary more so than Vancouver. Uh, I don't know how busy an offseason it's going to be for the Vancouver Canucks. Like every, everybody's identified the future of this team, and they're already on the squad. Um, you know, there's a couple of prospects that'll, that's, that are, that are going to fill a couple of spots. But, I mean, by and large, you know what this thing's being built around. Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. Right, like that's and Bohorvat, yep. like that's that's the team, and they're there. For the Calgary Flames, I don't know that you can say that. You know, I don't think the Calgary Flames are looking for a rebuild as much as they are looking to get some bodies in. But I think this is, like, I I wondered last year, Ben, last season, if that was going to be the last shot at it for the core of the Calgary Flames, and then, you know, the COVID happened and the season was was shut down on pause for a few months, and they resumed in the bubble, and everyone said, okay. Let's give it one more shot here, and this is probably going to be our last one. I think this is the last shot for that core. And then I think there's some really hard decisions um, about a lot of a lot of names, a lot of household names we've become we've uh, we've become accustomed to hearing around the Calgary Flames. There's going to be some tough convos and tough decisions, like probably at every single level of the uh, uh, of the Calgary Flames. So more so than Vancouver, I can I can see uh, I can see Calgary making some deep cuts or some some deep changes in the off season. Uh, two things before yeah. we let you go. One is shout out to CJ again, who we had on yesterday, oh, and we promoted his his running of the forty-two plus uh, kilometers today. It is now underway, which I imagine he is listening to this program, so he can <laughs> he can hear us. Uh, <laughs> wish go him CJ! Good luck. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Elliot Friedman tweeting out a video because I guess he's down there watching him. Uh, yes. Or at least watch the start. Uh, so yep. I retweeted that. It's got a link to how you can donate. And secondarily, I'll put my hand up and say, yeah, I was minus five in 1979. Okay. <laughs> you were dash. I'm you were dash record. five. Yeah. yeah, I was not. I was nine years old. Little yeah. little Jeff Merrick. Yeah. Come on, Leafs. Oh, Larry Robinson. Oh, Guy Lafleur. Oh, Steve Shutt. Oh, Ken Dryden. Oh, just yeah. destroying the Leafs in four. Like, oh well, maybe maybe they weren't as good as I saw against the Atlanta Flames. Mm-hmm. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, great to hear your voice. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks, pal. Anytime. You be well. You too. Jeff Merrick, the NHL on Sportsnet, calling out people's ages. Although he, you know, raised his hand. He put himself in that category as well. He was able to see New Zealand lawn. That must have been exciting. All right, the Leafs are now 5-2 and two in seven games against the Montreal Canadiens. They have a winning record against every team in this division, which isn't surprising. They're at the top of it. Every team except for the Vancouver Canucks, actually. 3-3-1 three, three, against Vancouver with a chance to change that uh, tonight on the back end 
of back-to-backs. Uh, Canucks also playing a back-to-back after losing to the Senators yesterday. Yes, as if you didn't know already, Maple Leafs are clearly the best team in this division. Again, my hand is raw from knocking on wood. Doesn't mean they're going to win these first two rounds, but they're the best team in the division. Um, let's talk with the always great Nick Kiprios, Director of Hoppy, uh, Hockey Operations for Line Movement, uh, former NHLer, of course. Uh, Nick, how's it going, man? I'm good, Ben. How are you, pal? Uh, I'm doing doing all right, man. Uh, I, especially when I project what the Maple Leafs could do, especially in these first two rounds against these Canadian teams who they've proven to be better than again and again and again. But before we get there, there's seven games left in the regular season, including the one, as I mentioned tonight, against the Canucks, including three more against the Montreal Canadiens, who you're probably going to play in the first round. Um, Leafs were guaranteed to be in the playoffs before yesterday but now it is official they have an X and they're almost guaranteed now to finish first uh, atop the division so you can really start experimenting or resting guys like what is what is Sheldon Keefe's job here in these remaining seven games and particularly the three against Montreal well there's there's no crystal ball to look at uh, definitively uh, one plan of attack better than the other you start resting guys Players don't necessarily want that. Matthews is feeling it as much as any player, you know, in any era at any time. That guy feels like he can put the puck in the net from anywhere on the ice. It's not something that, you know, he wants to now sit back and relax on. He's, he wants to see how, how, how many more goals he can get uh, in the next half a dozen games. So, you know, starting resting guys, starting to kind of manipulate things a little bit. It's really a, it's delicate. I'm sure they they have meetings on it every day between Brendan Shanahan and Sheldon Keith and how much is too much. And you're just starting now to get a good feel again on the power play. Do you really want to take uh, that off after so many struggles in the last month on it? So I would think it's just business as normal here in the next half a dozen games. Nothing will look much different than what it's been consistently all year, and that's just play hard, play to win every game, and try to get better every day. That's that's the philosophy. What about the the Canadians? Because like I said, I, like they're they pretty much clinched that that four seed i think although there's i i guess an outside chance they could catch winnipeg especially the way the jets are playing right now for for that three seed but uh the flames pretty much had to run the table uh the canucks pretty much had to run the table neither has happened they're so depleted uh and the 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 tough news from drouin and we wish him the best and hope everything's okay with him but i mean they're a totally different team without gallagher like they they only have four wins in in the thirteen games without him and averaging less than fewer than two goals yeah. per game. But you do you have the three left against the Leafs and man, watching those sixty minutes yesterday, Nick, it's really hard to imagine this series being close. And again, anything can happen. It's hockey. But do you want to at least establish a, a physical tone headed into a series against this team? You can try, and you know that that may be the only thing that you can. Be- try to do is eventually take runs at the Leafs, but I'm not even sure if they can catch them physically other than maybe Josh Anderson. Uh, I I actually feel bad for Montreal Canadian fans last night watching that team, that organization and the state that they're in right now. Uh, They're they're not very good. And 
for them to now come in and, and put a lot of pressure on this Cole Caulfield, and I think he's going to be a terrific player, and he's certainly got all the attributes, including already an NHL shot. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see it a whole heck of a lot last night. Maybe overhandling the puck a little bit, still maybe a little nervous. But when you're when you're de- when your offense is desperate to put in this kid in the hopes that he can help you, what's that say about your organization? There's not a chance that the the Leafs lose to Montreal in the first round unless unless the Leafs hand it on a platter to Montreal. Maybe, maybe if Carey Price can come in and and turn things around and single-handedly win the series, maybe. But that that that's we are now in the odds of a Lotto six forty nine. I, I nobody can really see that happening here. No. And Jake Allen's already earned every dollar of his salary, but I think last night's an example that he's not a number one goalie in the NHL, never will be quite comfortable being a very good backup, but he can't carry that team. So who's going to score? Like there's they Montreal has no pace of play players. And what I mean by that is guys that can dictate the, the, the pace and they've got some good young players in Suzuki, Kaki and Emmy, was a top pick in 2018. Uh, Sandine was the bottom of the 2018 first round. Who would you rather have right now, straight up? <laughs> so, not a question. Right? So yep. where where is that, that game-breaking pace of play player on the Montreal Canadiens? At least have three, four, mm-hmm. five, and... Montreal has none. Yeah, they really don't. So you uh, tell you tell me how Montreal is going to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Yeah, no, it's it's Carey Price making fifty stops a game. For Find him first. Games. Yeah, I know, and it's tough. He's got the concussion, um, and yeah, the physical tone thing. Like Cole Caulfield's at least trying to set the physical tone with the officials. Uh, who laid him out? Uh, he just got blasted yesterday. But. I don't know. Is he a, is he 160 pounds? I don't like know. You what watch happened? him, and it's like um, I'm, I'm, it's like 25 years ago, and I'm watching the finals of the Air Canada Midget Tournament. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's he's he's so light. He's he's and and now you're into a stretch drive of a of a regular season, it's hard for him to come in now and pick up that pace of play that the Leafs dictated and, and feel comfortable enough that you're going to, you're going to find your, your, your game. It's just really hard. I, I feel, I feel bad for the kid right now in terms of probably the pressure that he feels to come in and, and score goals for the Montreal Canadiens when, you know, he's, he's barely shaving once a week. No, it's, and I mean, look at some of the, the greatest goal scorers or point producers in history, like Steven Stamkos, slow start, Joe Thornton, slow start. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's off to a slow start and then establishes himself, but to be asked to come in for a playoff team and lead them offensively because nobody's doing that right now, uh, it's a huge ask. Um, but that being said, and yeah, you're right. I do kind of, as much as 
it's someone who follows the Leafs can feel bad for the Habs. I do. Um, but Mark, this was such a huge season for Mark Bergevin, the, the huge signing of Josh Anderson and the start that they got off to and the excitement that surrounded this team. There are things to point at with, you talk about the, the, the injuries that they've suffered and the, the, whatever's happening with Jonathan Drouin. How does that impact the conversation around him if, in fact, they go out in the first round of the Maple Leafs? Well, I, we know what it's like in Montreal with the media and how the bar is constantly set incredibly high in that organization, even though the, the lack of success over uh, many years now. So missing the playoffs last year, but getting invited to a qualifying, you know, tournament probably bought him a little bit of time, but you know, a, a quick one and done in the first round would certainly put a lot of pressure again on the ownership group to revisit Bergevin. If this is the guy that's capable of, of turning this thing around, but it wasn't too long ago. We were talking about how good the Montreal Canadians were looking and the added depth. And there's no question that those were terrific signings to Foley Anderson gave them added depth, but just to go to what I said earlier, they're not pace of play players. They can't go out there and, and dictate when they're not scoring that they are guys that are are pushing uh, the pace of play constantly, not like Matthews and Marner or or other great players in the league. And they that's the one thing that's missing. Gallagher, terrific hockey player. Can he can he control pace of play for for Montreal when he's back? No, but can he stand in front of the net? Can he grind out goals like Toffoli and you know a few others? Yes, but. Montreal's got to find some star power here, and then they're going to have to do it, you know, in, in whatever means they can, i.e. the tr- trade market or free agency. That just gets so hard. And, you know, you can pick up some depth players, but to get stars, very difficult thing to do. Talking to Nick Caprios, you, you mentioned Sandine, who plays 18 minutes uh, yesterday. He's uh, definitely a fixture on that second unit on the power play as well. He's really popped since he's he's played these three oh. games. He's he's been great, and, he, and he's got a little physical edge to him, as we saw sure. again last night on Evans. And yeah. you know he's he's poised right now. I think in the next few years to give them that nice option of of if and when Morgan Riley gets out price, he's going to slip right into Morgan Riley's role for the Toronto Maple Leafs and. Uh, at a fraction of the cost. So what happens then if Zach Bogosian's good to go for the postseason? Is that it? For would you say thanks for your service, uh, Travis Dermott, and you'll be called upon because we know we're going to need more than six defensemen as the postseason goes on? Like, what do you do? Because but I, I feel like Bogosian's going in no matter what. Like, there's a reason they went out and got a guy who's playoff tested and brings uh, again yeah. that physical element to it in a yeah. right shot. Like, what what happens to that? I, I wouldn't, Ben, I wouldn't overanalyze this. You're talking about a team that wants to play for the next two months. Yeah. And you talk about a grind. You talk about the depth that you need. 
badly injuries. Even if Sandy doesn't start in game one, you know, he's going in game two, game three, Bogosian out, Dermot out, in, somebody's hurt. You're going to need seven guys minimum, possibly eight, to go play for the next two months. In 94, when we won the Stanley Cup against Vancouver, by game seven, our best defenseman in game seven was Doug Lidster. <laughs> we had everybody beat up. Brian Leach had just finished a, an amazing run, but I, I think he was at about 60%, 65%. And there's Doug Lidster, who was in and out, black ace the whole season, uh, playing a, an instrumental part. That's the way it's going to be for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sandine's going to play a big role here. You know, Leafs, Leafs find themselves in the conference final, Stanley Cup final. Trust me, Sandine will play a big role. I imagine Nick Foligno is going to play a big role as well, whether or not that's getting points. Uh, I mean, all you have to do is throw He's it not off a the defender. Guy. The, the, the one thing about Nick Foligno is I, I don't think there's a ton of pressure for him to score. The Leafs don't no. necessarily need more offense. He's just got to go out there and, and create holes for Matthews, Marner, uh, get pucks off the wall, get them deep, uh, make good decisions, good penalty kill. There's no pressure on this guy to score coming in. All he has to do is just wreak a character, which everybody says he's got an abundance of. So he'll be fine. Do you, do you, do you like him in the top six? I guess uh, Galchenyuk is the the – is the piece that could move around in this scenario. Because it feels like when Hyman comes back, he's going right back up there with Matthews yeah. and, and Marner. Yeah. But that Galchenyuk is another minus yesterday. And I know he's found money too. And it, 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 at least he's resurrected his NHL career to this point. But would you would you rather have a look at Felino on that second line or as a part of some shutdown third line? Well, first of all, the only samples you get right now is in the North Division. And... You know, it's not to take away the success of the Leafs or or how good we think they might be. That's it's the weakest division right now. It's there's no doubt. How, how do you really know? How do you really know who should play where and what until you start seeing some deep teams yourself? And right now he's fine. You get into a situation where you're you're playing a Vegas, a Colorado. Um, some teams that can roll legit four heavy lines. I don't know where Felino will end up. I, I think Felino probably, you know, in, in my estimation, would be a, a, a perfect third-line shutdown guy. I'm not convinced right now still, you know, where Kerfoot falls in all of this. If things start to get a little yeah. deeper and heavier. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. Even, even in a checking third-line role, Felino. You know, money well spent bringing them on. That's the depth that you need when things get a little heavier, things slow down a little bit. Uh, I, I think he'd be a great shutdown guy on the third line. Yeah, killing penalties and, and being on the ice protecting leads late in, in third periods uh, is a fine job for him. Talking to Nick Kiprio. So I saw you and, and Doug McLean were talking about the the TNT 
addition to the the broadcast uh, south of the border, uh, which just happened a couple of days ago. I'm intrigued. I, I know we're going to see Charles Barkley at some point on these broadcasts. How how impactful do you think this could be in in growing the game in the United States? Well, it's been an ongoing challenge, Ben. Let's be honest here. Where hockey and the NHL fits in, I know everybody's been having a good chuckle with uh, TNT's uh, promo of a- Andrew Ferris uh, <laughs> on a on a on a promo, possibly someone thinking it was Connor McDavid. So I think. You know, whether we go back to my era in the 90s with Fox and ESPN, it's always a challenge to sell the game south of the border. But, you know, I thought NBC did a terrific job the last 10 years, and I know TNT and ESPN will do the same thing. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 an ongoing challenge uh, south of the border. They there's, there's a lot of competition, but as long as it remains consistent and you have the right people in charge and hopefully a producer that can tell the difference between McDavid and Andrew Ferentz, then, you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, but they're going to have to get to work and, you know, put the, put the right teams together with the producers, people that are in charge, people that can take the game seriously and, and do a good job of promoting our stars. Cause right now, as, as good as Connor McDavid is and whether or not we now consider him, you know, amongst the greatest players to ever have played the game, they haven't got a clue down there who the heck he is. Wayne Gretzky's still the most marketable hockey name south of the border. And last time I checked, he hasn't, he hasn't played in a while. Yeah. Different era, man. Like, yeah, Wayne hosted SNL. Can you imagine Connor McDavid hosting SNL? Well, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get him to host SNL, you know, in, in three or four years or, you know. It's just, there's no reason. It's just, hey, put the right people together and then, you know, uh, start pushing these guys because they're amongst the best athletes in the world. So let's, let's, let's sell them south of the border. I'm with you. Uh, Nick, thanks so much uh, for taking the time today. Appreciate it. All right, Ben. Have a good one, pal. Yeah, you too. There's uh, Nick Kiprios, uh, Stanley Cup champion, director of hockey operations for line movement. I mean, it wasn't the greatest SNL. (laughs) I don't think I've watched it in its entirety. I've watched snippets. I've also watched Wayne on, what was he on, Young and the Restless? He He was on some soap opera. And yeah, he was a breakthrough star when hockey was actually growing south of the border because he arrived in Los Angeles and, and just changed the game. And, and that's why there are hockey teams in Sunrise, Florida and in Carolina and we're in Atlanta. Yeah, it, oh, I'm getting buzzed in my ear. Uh, Lance Canada, huge YNR fan, said, yeah, it was young and the restless that uh, Wayner had a little cameo. So yeah, it's hard to imagine Connor McDavid getting to that place but um, he's on pace to be better than Wayne, honestly. Maybe not. I mean, Ovechkin's on pace to be the better goal scorer, and McDavid is doing things that are just leaving his contemporaries in the absolute dust, and the eras are so different. It's, it's insane. It's, he's now on pace to score 100 points. They're going to play 56 games, and I know the North Division stinks. We're back to that. 
Like, I feel stupid for any take that I had where it was like, nah, the North Division, not so No, it's awful. It's so bad. So, 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 so bad. Um, and yes, an abject disaster if the Leafs don't, don't win it um, pretty easily in two rounds.